This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, February 24th, 2023. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, an international accord on health and safety for garment workers has been extended to Pakistan. The global campaign for social justice. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. For every stitch of clothing, someone sweats away unseen. While the tangle threads justice unravel at the seams. From the slums of New York City to the streets of Bangladesh. Hundred years of struggle, it ain't over yet. This is Radio Labor. If you look at the achievements where more than 90% of factories are covered by the accord, and accords have covered factories in Bangladesh, workers can go to work in the mornings knowing that they are safe in their workplace. That is Alke Bosager, the Deputy General Secretary of Uni Global Union. Uni represents 20 million workers employed in the skills and service sectors of 150 countries. Ms. Bosinger was referring to the International Accord for Health and Safety in the Garment and Textile Industry in Bangladesh. The accord was negotiated between major clothing brands, Uni, and the Global Union Industrial after the 2013 Rana Plaza disaster in Bangladesh, which killed more than 1,200 mainly young women and wounded 2,500 more. The international accord has been extended to Pakistan. I asked Ms. Bosiger what the accord will do in Pakistan. The international accord in Pakistan is going to base on the experience in Bangladesh. And of course, they're going to adapt the program to um, the circumstances of Pakistan. One thing that we're going to do different and that is found from the Bangladesh experience is that we're running right from the beginning with the local stakeholders. In Bangladesh, we reacted to an emergency situation, and or the, uh, the the program in Bangladesh had been transformed into a tripartite organization over the past year. In Pakistan, we have been working with the government, with the local industry, and other stakeholders who are in the past year to put together a program that includes them in terms of defining the parameters of this program. And at the end of last year, we agreed together with the brands that are signatories to the International Accord to expand the programming to Pakistan and we will continue to do factory inspections just like we did in Bangladesh. We're going to run a worker compliance mechanism where workers can complain about issues that they find in the factory. And a very important element are going to be training programs that we're going to run for both factory management and workers so that they will have a voice on the job and the health and safety of workers is going to be in their own hands. The accord in Pakistan is legally binding. How does this work? The international accord that brands and unions are signing is the actual legally binding agreement. And based on that legally binding agreement between these two parties, we took a decision that we will extend the program so that legally binding nature is in the international accord. It's not uh, specifically only in Pakistan, and uh, there's a agreement that has been signed between these parties where the brand leads certain commitment in terms of what obligations they have, what 
they're going to do to work with their factory to make them comply with the requirement of this program. And as union, it's our job to make sure that the brands are meeting those commitments. Are there plans to extend the international accord to other countries? We did a capability study for the number of countries and concluded after uh, intensive research that Pakistan was the country that merited the first expansion beyond Bangladesh. And that's based on a number of factors. First of all, the environment that we find in the textile and garment industry in the country, it's also the country that most of the brands were interested in, whether it's a big buying volume from, from brands in Pakistan, but also the fact that both government and local industry were showing a significant interest in having the uh, court come into Pakistan. Those were all important factors for our decision to first go to Pakistan. But that doesn't mean we're not going to expand to other countries. Will be the discussions that will have to be had by the steering committee, but for now we're going to discuss with our work on private side. I am surprised to hear you say that the government and the employers in Pakistan welcomed the accord. Is that because they saw that it helped the employers and government and workers in Bangladesh? So there are a number of factors. Definitely, I believe that the, the industry in Pakistan had been how the industry in Bangladesh has been transformed, how the purchase and volume from Bangladesh has gone up. And really, Bangladesh, I would really, you can see it, it's the number one destination now for a brand. Kind of start also had another issue coming up, which is the renewal of the trade benefits that they get with the European Commission. So that's another factor that the government definitely will be factoring in their discussions. But also, in terms of an economic interest of the country, both the government and the industry, it just makes business sense because particularly European brands are under increasing pressure, the due diligence legislation requiring them to be a lot more responsible among the supply chain. And they know as a country, if they want to be competitive, if they want brands to choose Pakistan as a destination, they will have to comply with requirements. And a very good way to do that is the accord. February 20th is the International Day for Social Justice, a day set aside to remind the world that the struggle for equality, decent work, social protection, and more is ongoing. The day to recognize the need for social justice was created by the International Labor Organization. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. To commemorate the day, the ILO produced a podcast featuring the Director General of the ILO, Gilbert Hungbo. Mr. Hungbo is the first African to hold the position in the ILO's 104-year history. The host of the ILO podcast, The World of Work, is Sophie Fisher. If you desire peace, cultivate justice. This phrase is written into the foundations of the ILO, literally. It's on a stone in the foundations of our first building, our first headquarters in Geneva. It refers to justice in the broadest sense. It means justice in life for humanity. In other words, social justice. Rarely in the ILO's 100-year history has the lack of social justice been so clear as it is at the moment. On top of the legacy of COVID-19, we're facing several overlapping and mutually reinforcing crises. Geopolitical tensions, 
economic instability, growing inequality, and the effects of climate change. Together, these pose existential risks that are too large for any one country to solve by themselves. This is a special edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast to mark World Day for Social Justice on February the 20th. And our special guest today is the ILO's Director General, Gilbert F. Hongbo. Director General, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for coming. Oh, thank you for organizing this. My first question to you is that since you took up your post of Director General last autumn, you have made the campaign for social justice a priority. And while times are particularly difficult now and the need is particularly obvious, the lack of social justice is not new. So why does it particularly matter now? Yes, you're right that um, social justice is not new and the needs um, are not new. But quite frankly, if you look at the, the last few years, the situation is worsening. Um, on one hand, all of us are very amazed about the potential of wealth creation um, driven by technology, a lot of opportunities. We have the 5 10% of the richest in the world that sees their wealth keep growing. Then on the other hand, when you talk about 50% of the world population with zero social protection, with zero protection, you have more than 200 million people, workers, that are remaining poor despite 40 hours of work. When you talk about social justice, what do you actually mean? Because it's a very broad term and it can mean all things to all men. It's true that it, uh, it's quite very broad. To be honest, I believe we can spend hours trying to have an agreed definition of social justice, which doesn't exist. There's no international, very specific uh, definition per se. But let's just apply our common sense. For me, the very important thing is really fighting against inequalities, discrimination, ensuring every human being should have same opportunity. You know, equal access to opportunities for me is quite important in social justice. And therefore, having decent work, a dignifying work, having a minimum protection, what ILO will call the protection flaws, access to water and, and sanitation, access to education. And for me, it's part of the social justice. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of how unions are marking the first anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine, the second anniversary of the military coup in Myanmar, and we also covered a new escalation in the Tunisian government's attack on a trade union. We had coverage of demands for an end to anti-union violence, including the assassination of trade union leaders in East Swatini, and a new round of police raids on South Korean union offices. And on a more positive note, we had coverage of a huge demonstration by Portuguese teachers demanding respect for their profession from their country's government. On our Working Women page, you'll find news about the European Union's ratification of the Istanbul Convention and what this means for working women there. We also had separate reports on the current gender pay gaps in the United Kingdom and Australia, and a story about how the shortage of paper currency is affecting Nigerian tax workers. Stories appearing on our health and safety page in Newswire this week included the push to ban engineered stone in Australia. 
silica dust from this material is being called the new asbestos by unions representing construction workers. We also carried news about a telemedicine initiative by a sex workers union in India that aims to reduce the incidence of sexually transmitted diseases amongst union members. And the surprise revelations, uh, surprise in quotation marks, of sexual harassment on Kenyan tea plantations that should not have surprised anyone. Our current quote of the week is a shot of the president of the Ukrainian Journalist Union as he reported on the challenges the union has faced over the past year and how it is preparing for the future as the war continues. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here are the low-tide drifters with every stitch. labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.